The information contained on the Real Health Podcast and the resources mentioned are for educational purposes only. They are not intended as and shall not be understood or construed as medical or health advice. The information contained on this podcast is not a substitute for medical or health advice from a professional who is aware of the facts and circumstances of your individual situation. Information provided by hosts and guests on the Real Health Podcast or the use of any products or services mentioned does not create a practitioner-patient relationship between you and any persons affiliated with this podcast. This is the Real Health Podcast brought to you by Reardon Clinic. Our mission is to bring you the latest information and top experts in functional and integrative medicine to help you make informed decisions on your path to real health. Well, welcome again, everyone, to another Real Health Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ron Huntinghockey, and it is our pleasure today to welcome Jess Higgins-Kelly actually back. Now, the audience may have heard you before, but we're redoing this for the simple reason that the lip syncing wasn't quite right. And so, but the, but the, but the content was excellent, so I, I don't want to lose that in our redo. And so, uh, Jess, welcome. And I hear you're, you're in Maine. Are you guys getting a lot of snow? Yeah, thanks for having me, Dr. Ron. You know, it has been a wild winter. We just had 65 mile an hour winds yesterday. You should, the coastal flooding, I mean, unbelievable, nothing we've ever seen in Maine, just coming up and over roadways and bridges and you know, marinas. And it's, um, it's been very uh, interesting for us. No white Christmas. It's been very wet here in, in Maine. So um, yeah. This global warming thing and all the other stuff going on, it's very disruptive. It is. It is. It's disruptive to people's mental health and, Mm -hmm. you know, they cancel school. And so kids are off and, yeah, it's a it's a new world of of climate uh, navigating climate changes. So yeah. Well, let's reintroduce you to our listening audience. So you were uh, the, uh, the one of the authors of the um, metabolic approach to cancer. You and and Dr. Nasha. So uh, and and you're a, a, a nutritionist, or are you a dietitian also? I'm a nutrition therapist. Okay, got it. Tell people what what's the distinction there? So I like to say that an easy way and kind of broad strokes defining is that dietitians can sort of maybe be looked at more of an allopathic approach to diet, maybe as a, a medical doctor, whereas nutrition therapy, we're more on the holistic end, maybe closer to what you might get from a naturopath. So it's uh, sort of what we're doing is more of a naturopathic centered approach, holistic approach to nutrition. And a lot of times I say, you know, 10% is the nutrition and 90% is the therapy. And certainly in the oncology world, we're dealing with a lot of emotions and past trauma, childhood trauma, those type of things. So the therapy part is sort of bringing in emotions to food choices. And so, um, 
Very good explanation. Yeah, thank thank you. I think that should clear up a lot of things for people. We're talking today about water. <laughs> You've been flooded, but but the human body more and more these days, people get busy. They uh, they are stressed. Uh, they're having lots of bot drinks that have a lot of sugar, and that these situations are leading up to a lot of dehydration and most people don't sense when they're dehydrated. So let's talk a little bit about dehydration, hydration and dehydration in general. And then I, I want to go back to what we, when we, when you spoke on our podcast before, how dehydration plays into cancer and specifically how dehydration unfortunately accentuates toxicity. And, and this, this is a very simple, inexpensive, universally available way for people with cancer who want to avoid cancer or who have had cancer. This is a way for them to stay well or get well. Absolutely. I call it the master metabolic nutrient water because there's no other nutrient required in the frequency and amount that water is. Okay. So we require various, various institutions have put out guidelines saying that sedentary males need somewhere between 100 and 120 ounces of water a day. Sedentary females somewhere around 80 to 90 ounces a day. Of course, that amount increases with uh, vomiting, diarrhea, um, various cancer treatments, exercise, sweating that will increase. But you know, Dr. Ron, that's a lot of water. That is. So if you put, I mean, it is a full-time job to work on staying hydrated. And the current estimates are that 75% of Americans are chronically dehydrated. And that happens fast. Um, and, and you've probably seen this in your practice. You know, the more chronically ill someone is, typically the more dehydrated they are. And, you know, because we require so much water on a daily basis, sort of these slow, insidious, sort of slight dehydration symptoms start to show up in in people. And so, you know, what we hear a lot with becoming dehydrated, you know, the thirst mechanism declines with age. So older people, they're just not thirsty. You know, we hear that a lot. We also hear, I don't like the taste of water. It's boring. So we hear that a lot too. Um, You know, uh, if you're, like you mentioned, consumption of sugary drinks, caffeinated drinks, anything that works like a diuretic is going to work to dehydrate you. And then of course, in the chronically ill population, cancer folks going through treatment can become dehydrated because they're nauseous or they're vomiting. And so dehydration is ubiquitous. We see it there, you know, you'll ask someone, hey, how much water have you had to drink today? Which which is what we're trying to teach in sort of a nutrition-focused physical exam. And nine times out of 10, you'll hear, oh, I don't drink enough water. You know, everyone says that. And and it's just amazing how so many of the most common symptoms of dehydration get overlooked or passed on to something more complicated. So, for example, um, geez, I'm really constipated. 
Okay, digestion's gonna slow. And, you know, we're focusing on toxicity this month. And so, you know, I always say the solution to pollution's dilution. What comes into your body has to come out and water is the source. It is your, your kidneys are filtering things out through it. You need water in order to lubricate your lower intestines in order to have bowel movements. If you're dehydrated and you're constipated, those toxins are not moving out of your body. And what's more, because a lot of times our hormones are excreted through feces. So say you're constipated, some of those partially metabolized estrogens could get reabsorbed and recirculated into your body. So we can see a big endocrine disruption that can happen with estrogen dominance if we're not excreting these hormones and these other metabolic byproducts out of our colon because we're dehydrated. So, you know, we're quick to jump to some of these fixes when we can just come back to water. The simplest staring us in the face. And, and, and I'm thinking as you're speaking, you know, the most common symptom that people have that they go to doctors for is chronic fatigue. And we, and, and doctors throw up their hands. Well, we don't know what to do about that. You know, uh, that could be so many different things, but Here's a very simple answer, just staring people in the face. And, you know, when they're dehydrated, they're also more irritable, more stressed, more unable, not uh, t too tired to go exercise, not sleeping very well. So all the things that we say is, and, and gaining weight. I really think that if people drank water more adequately, they wouldn't have as much trouble with weight gain. Absolutely. So, you know, just talking about the energy component. So we know that dehydration has been linked to several different metabolic conditions, including cancer, Alzheimer's, type 2 diabetes. So our mitochondria use the hydrogen molecules in water, H2O, in order to create ATP, which is our body's energy currency. So when we don't have enough of the circulating hydrogen, which is why this hydrogen water is getting so much Big. traction. Yeah. So we're going to have an energy deficit. So the when people start drinking water, they immediately notice more energy, clear head, um, and and a quick five pound weight loss, exactly what you said. I mean, it is one of those things that when you're dehydrated, the craving for food and water is the same. So a lot of times people think they're hungry, but they're really just thirsty. And so getting adequately hydrated is, it is such low hanging fruit. And I feel like in this field, we make things so complicated, but we're glossing over some things that have profound impact for people and make them feel significantly different. It's hard work to remember to drink that much water during the day, but boy, does it make a difference. Once you notice it, it's not that hard. And once you wake up to the value of water, you're thinking, hey, this is a good thing. I didn't used to carry this thing around because it's kind of a pain in the, you know what, to have to lug it around. But since I've been using it on a more regular basis, I feel better. It's worth it to me. And so the uh, the cost benefit ratio is good because this is really inexpensive. 
Yeah, it's massive. It's, you know, like you said, the cost benefit ratio is huge. And, and, you know, how to get, you know, we have to get, we have the information. How do we get to the implementation Uh. with people? So this is where the rubber meets the road. So, you know, we tell people, get yourself your favorite water bottle. Find your favorite cup, get something glass, get something nice, something that becomes like a second appendage, you know, like a purse or or a small dog. And you're carrying it with you everywhere you go. And and once your body gets used to having more hydration, you know, we hear this a lot from, you know, our nurses and our teachers who are chronically dehydrated. They don't take breaks. They don't drink water because they don't have time to go to the bathroom. So those two populations, we see a lot of people who are in, you know, caring for others. Teachers, teachers, I don't want to go to the bathroom that much. But, you know, over time, once the body, um, you know, becomes metabolically calibrated to having more more fluid, more electrolytes on board, that uh, frequent urination tends to stabilize, tends to normalize. So that's, it's a good thing. So if people just hold out for it then and get through sort of an adaptation phase, and then they start to realize I'm thirsty, you know, you, you lose the sense until you start drinking more water and then your body starts to send you some feedback clues. It's, it's really beautiful. And, you know, you can live without carbohydrates forever. Vitamin D deficiencies don't show up for a long time. You know, a lot of these other nutrient deficiencies, they just don't show up in our face like a a dehydration does. And I, I just want to get the message out that more people, if they start paying attention to this, they're, they're going to get some benefits. There's a lot more to this conversation and it's coming up right after a quick break. Today's episode of The Real Health Podcast is brought to you by the Reardon Clinic Nutrient Store. The Nutrient Store is your resource for the highest quality nutritional supplements. Every supplement in the store is handpicked by the expert medical staff at Reardon Clinic, providing you with the best quality, purity, consistency, and effective dosing available. Visit store.reardonclinic.org to shop online. Let's jump from this now into the whole question of cancer, because Mm. here we're going to go from everyday life where it's going to make you feel better and you're going to be less stressed and you're going to have more energy. You can avoid cancer by drinking more water. And if you have cancer, you're going to facilitate a better healing process. And if you've had cancer, your survivorship is going to be better if you drink adequate amounts of water. And so that sounds funny to say, because we think of cancer being the greatest threat. And we've got to have all these really expensive, these high caliber type uh, treatments. But here's a very low caliber, but very highly effective way to to do that. So kind of fill us in on some of the science of why mm-hmm. water is so good in terms of patients who are dealing with cancer or, or who want to prevent cancer. Right. For starters, when we talk about, you know, the link between hydration and cancer, we talked about earlier about uh, our mitochondria. And we think about cancer as a metabolic disease that has a lot to do with mitochondrial damage. Now, we live in a very toxic world. We are exposed to more and more toxic chemicals throughout our day. I mean, even before we leave the house, it's estimated that we're exposed to 64 different uh, cancer causing components. Wow. So in 
so if we don't, if we aren't able to flush those toxins away, they they stick around and they can damage our mitochondria. So the role of toxin exposure and cancer is, you know, it's undoubtable. You know, it's metabolic, it's toxic, and so if we, if we have these toxic chemicals sticking around in our system for longer, there's more potential for damage oxidative stress and and those type of cancer provoking uh, actions to occur. So hydration helps to prevent mitochondrial damage. It also helps to create ATP, energy currency in the body, so that we ha are able to carry out our physiological uh, activities, more exercise, as we noted earlier. Um, and probably the third is that from water, we're supposed to be getting electrolytes. So when you go in for, you know, most people get a routine CMP, comprehensive metabolic panel every year as part of their, you know, health screening, disease screening. Electrolytes are a big part of not very many of those hmm. tests. We're testing sodium. We're testing potassium. We're testing calcium. We should be testing magnesium. We uh, should be testing all the electrolytes. Yeah. But because the electrolytes are so intricately involved in, you know, the cellular messaging throughout our body, if we are deficient or if we have electrolytes in excess, that is going to throw off all of the communication around our body and then we have dis-ease we're imbalanced you know it creates an environment that our body is having to compensate for the imbalances that have happened here and i think focusing more and more on these electrolytes is, that are supposed to come from water and our hydration status is key. And, you know, the second part of it, or maybe now we're on to the fifth part, <laughs> but when it comes to, uh, you know, water and cancer, um, estimates now are that only one, one in five people are getting their water from disposable containers. So we're drinking out of plastic ah, water. Yeah, there so you go. What we're seeing, these receptacles of, you know, perhaps their tap water is really toxic and they don't like the taste of it. So they're drinking water from plastic. So our water sourcing has changed from what it was back a couple hundred years ago when we we're drinking out of streams and lakes and naturally occurring water. Now, approximately 86% of people in the United States depend on a water utility company to provide, test and treat their water. So we're getting a very different water source that started to also get treated with components like fluoride and other things, you know, in the last 30, 40 years. So the water that we are drinking has changed. And I'm not going to say that that has, you know, big cause of cancer, but certainly can be a different cause of toxicity and various other um, imbalances. So we're dehydrated. Um, so that's putting stress on our mitochondria. And then we're drinking toxic water sources. So the water that we are getting, you know, most people don't think about cracking open a plastic water bottle. However, the endocrine disrupting chemicals that have leached from that toxic water bottle are now into their system. So, you know, uh, there's so many different areas of just talking about water that are really important to to kind of go down the rabbit hole because it has a lot of impact. The uh, just to take one example, breast cancer, uh, we know that over estrogenizing the body will increase that risk and plastic 
is estrogenic. It has estrogen-like, you know, factors in it. And so, let alone uh, receipts, the print, the print on receipts, estrogenic. The toilet paper, estrogenic. There are so many sources of extra estrogen-like compounds that are stimulating breast cancer risk. And yet it's invisible to people. It's invisible. And so uh, what, what, uh, so you recommend people, what would you say would be healthy water to drink? How would you encourage cancer patients or risk for cancer patients to, where would they get their water so that this would be a lower risk? Right. One of the first places to get started is, is looking at your water source. So if people are on a municipal water system, um, the Environmental Working Group came out with a wonderful database a few years ago that you can plug in your zip code and it will tell you from your public oh. water supply the chemicals that are there. Yeah. Um, and then you can filter accordingly. Um, you know, something as simple as a countertop filter, um, you know, there's brands like Berkey and some of these other ones or a whole house reverse osmosis. I mean, like we've been saying, a lot of this health is based on income. So, you know, I really like to provide options for people who can't afford to put in tons of tons of infrastructure. But, you know, a, a reverse osmosis system is typically a great one. A good carbon filter is great um, because we are getting exposed to the water through the shower or the bathtub if it has toxic chemicals. You know, especially important for if folks live in an agricultural area mm. where we're getting pesticides like glyphosate that are leaching into our groundwater supply, really important to be testing your water. A lot of um, public water companies, you can walk in and they'll give you a home test for like 30 bucks. And this is a really fun project if you've got kids or grandkids. Just test your water that's coming out of your tap and just get a sense of, of what's in there and then filter accordingly, um, I think is really important. Um, if you buy water, looking at um, glass bottles, uh, so, you know, some of these natural, plain uh, mineral waters that come in glass is going to be much preferable to plastic. So that would be what to what to purchase. Um for those of us who are well water drinkers, I myself, we do have a private well, which is we're lucky and we purchased our property because of where our well would be situated away from contamination. But we tell people if you haven't tested your well water in the last five years, you really want to test your well water also because um, groundwater can get contaminated with heavy metals um, or various other, um, you know, neurological and endocrine disrupting chemicals. Um, and then you can filter accordingly. But it is really important to sort of get a baseline of what is in your water first and then go from there. And, uh, you know, some of these countertop filters and these, you know, different companies that filter out some of these toxins, it's worth just getting one of those so you can do it at home. You don't have to spend money on water, um, you know, as much purchasing. So that, I think that that's a nice place to start. Um, the other thing that we've noticed a lot, and and it's done wonders. So for uh, seltzer water, the seltzer water movement, everybody yeah. loves these seltzer waters. And for our folks, our diabetics who are looking to transition off of the sugary sodas into something you know, less sugar, but they still love the fizz. These seltzer waters, great. The general consensus is that seltzer waters are as hydrating as flat water. 
Um, however, a lot of these ones, unfortunately, the more inexpensive ones do come with, you know, artificial sweeteners, oh, yeah. you know, artificial ingredients, those type of things. So it is worth checking the label on your seltzer waters. Um, anytime, you know, natural flavors, that can mean a whole host of things. Artificial flavors, we know. Um, these non-caloric sweeteners we're finding can be problematic for our microbiome. Mm. So sugar alcohols we want to avoid. Of course, artificial sweeteners, those kind of things. So, you know, looking at really just simple plain, you know, good quality club soda or some of these seltzer waters that don't come with a lot of additional, you know, metabolic disrupting ingredients yeah. is, is important. There's so much to it. Yeah. <laughs> so we're talking about the quality of our water. We're talking about the amount of our water. And I think it I'm just going to say a consciousness of the benefit of water. If you have a consciousness of the benefit of it, you're going to be thinking about it. You're going to be willing to carry something around like this. So, so quality, quantity, and consciousness are the three ingredients of the water that we do want that uh, will help us not only to av avoid cancer or to help us get over cancer, but also take... Uh, help our general sense of well-being, less fatigue, better mental clarity, uh, just uh, more energy. And so I think, I don't know, this to me, maybe it was our, my first, uh, the time that we first talked on this, I have become a crusader for good water. <laughs> so thank you very much for lighting the fire. And uh, it's uh, hopeful. And because again, it's so obvious, we miss it. It's something that right. really is available. Yes, you want to go for quality and that, that takes a little bit of doing. But once you see the value of it and the value of quality water, there's no stopping. And so uh, Jess, thank you so much for being on our program and for your enthusiasm and all the work that you do to help people. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. And thanks for sharing the passion of, of being properly hydrated. Amen. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Real Health Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. You can also find all of the episodes and show notes over at realhealthpodcast.org. Also, be sure to visit reardonclinic.org where you will find hundreds of videos and articles to help you create your own version of real health.